Episode 16 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. I'm here today with Mark Roberge. He's the SVP of Global Sales and Services at HubSpot. You guys are probably familiar with the company. Mark's got a new book coming out this week. It's called The Sales Acceleration Formula, Using Data, Technology, and Inbound Selling to Go from Zero to 100 Million. He's going to talk to us today about the sales hiring formula, something very interesting to most of you young SaaS entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Give us a little background on you kind of who you are, what's HubSpot, um, and maybe anchor it in sort of where you were when you started and where you are today. I know you've had a eight-year-plus career with the company and obviously seen a ton, so maybe give the listeners some idea about that. Yeah, the background is uh, the part that people chuckle about and get intrigued about, actually, because I've actually never really done sales before HubSpot, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I started my career as, uh, as a computer programmer, um, I'm a mechanical engineer by training, kind of entered into the startup scene pretty early in my career. I have an MBA from MIT. So I've always had this sort of quant science technology lens through which I view the world. And you'll see a lot of it in the way that I kind of built the HubSpot sales team was really through that lens. So I met the co-founders at MIT when we were students. Um, I was trying to get my own startup going as a founding CEO and was earning some side cash showing up at their office every Thursday, just three guys in a garage. And, um, you know, the year went by, I personally couldn't raise my Series A, their company was taken off and they were recruiting me to, to, to build the sales team. So I came in when it was three guys in a garage and, you know, seven years later, we had, you know, a couple hundred people on the sales team and we were approaching an IPO and a lot of, a lot of stuff happened in between, obviously. Cool. Um, so you have a new book coming out. It's incredible for anyone that hasn't read it. You should go on Amazon right now and pick it up. Uh, what what gave you the idea to write it? Why why write a book and and sort of you know who who is it ultimately geared for? What's the audience? Well, the the company asked me to do it, <laughs> um, so but to be honest, um, I just love I'm addicted to helping entrepreneurs. I I get a lot probably one or two a day sure. of yeah, they're heads of sales at young companies or CEOs that reach out to me, and honestly, I I spend my commute time I have an hour commute both ways talking to entrepreneurs just sure. helping them out. And I just figured this was, you know, from my own perspective, a great way to, to help in more scale is just sure. kind of document this as a blueprint for other folks. Um, selfishly, from, from the company standpoint, we've been entering into the sales software space over the last year, came out with a free CRM, came out with a free product called Sidekick. <clears throat> yep. And we're just trying to, in the same way we rubbed our brand around thought leadership in the marketing arena the last seven years or so, we felt this was a good strategy to do it in the sales arena as well. Perfect. And the audience predominantly is sort of emerging business, you know, B2B founders, I guess, right? I think they get a lot out of it. I think it ranges. You know, I mean, we've ha I've had plenty of, uh, you know, mid-market and enterprise hiring managers get a lot out of this as well in terms of methodologies. I think venture capitalists in terms of the advice they can give to their firms. 
a lot of even just presidents of small businesses that do sales as 10 or 20% of their job sure. get a lot out. And certainly the early stage tech companies, it's a home run for. Got it. And maybe just as a quick aside, what was the worst part of writing a book <laughs> from an experience standpoint? Um, actually lining up the publisher, <laughs> to be honest, like there, there's definitely a couple that I chatted with and it's just a lot of back and forth legal stuff. Um, I know a lot of authors talk about the actual writing, but this book was unique for me because I don't think there was a word on that, in that book that I hadn't spoken on stage at least a thousand times. Sure. So it was literally me sitting down and just writing out what my speeches were. So it came, the actual content came a little easier. Got it. So maybe let's transition to the meat of the conversation you know i wanted to talk specifically about essentially the first part of your book which you describe as the sort of sales hiring formula maybe just why does this matter and why is it so important um and then sort of how you developed it give give the listeners some idea of what you mean when you say sales hiring formula sure you know i think especially for this audience being tech entrepreneurs i think this is the most important part of the book for them and I'll tell a little story about it. I remember the first few months of HubSpot and we had figured out that we were in a position to now scale the sales team. I was in a tough spot because I looked at, you know, I kind of had a vision on what a world-class hiring, training, and management, uh, you know, execution would be within sales. But it would take a 150-hour work week. Right. right. It just wasn't possible. So I knew, despite the fact that I was willing to put in 80 to 90 hours a week, I had to cut corners somewhere. And I decided that I was going to be world-class in hiring. And I'd do my cut, corner cutting and training and managing. And the theory there was, if I can get the rock stars on the boat, even if the training and management's mediocre, they'll find a way to win. You but if I do a mediocre job of hiring people... <laughs> Get, yeah. training them and managing would be an uphill battle and unfortunately I don't it's everyone's like oh shake their heads yes but you don't see that a lot in the execution you know when sure. when a CEO or a, a founding sales you know the first sales leader comes in and they're looking at a day and on the calendar is a big pitch to the deal that's going to make the quarter and sort of like a team discussion around forecasting and an interview Right. Like, which is that? Which are they bringing their A game to? Right. I don't think they're as like they're kind of passive and winning it on the interview. And I really tried to make a, you know, tried to really do a world class job around the hiring process. And so, did you have this kind of as an epiphany, or were there experiences that led you to it, or was it kind of look at you know, you obviously hadn't hired anyone in at that point, yeah. right? So you would recommend sort of from the outset think of a sales hiring formula before you even embark on this process of, of bringing people on, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I did was, you know, you know, in hindsight now, like people ask me, well, what, what do you look for in a rep and that kind of stuff? And the, so much of that answer is dependent on the context of your business. Right. You know, and I, I like I brought on some people early on that came from, uh, that, you know, came from public companies inside sales teams that had 800 reps and they were literally the number one and two rep. Right. right. It's like I worked so hard to recruit them in and I thought they'd change the game for us and they were pretty good, but they didn't rock it. Yeah. And I sat back and thought about them like, you know what? They came from an environment with a huge brand and easy to understand value prop. The minute they said their name and the company they were from, everybody People knew that they're going to pitch on. Yeah. 
Versus HubSpot was the exact opposite of that, especially seven years ago. Right, it's like, right. what's HubSpot? Inbound marketing software. What's inbound marketing? You create content. It's just oh, like yeah, this evangelistic yeah. deal. So every environment, depending on who you're selling to, the complexity, it will you know will tailor to a different type of salesperson. Sure. But the process to actually engineer your ideal hire is the same. And that's what I went through was I documented my theory of the 10 criteria that I thought would correlate in our environment. I was disciplined about defining what each one was, what a score of a one, a three, a five, a seven, a 10 would be, and disciplined about scoring every candidate and every hire against that criteria. And you know, even when you're three, four, five hires in, now you've got a foundation to work off of where two of those folks are just exceptional sure. and a couple are mediocre. You can now go back and reflect and ask yourself, what's the common patterns here on the great folks? What doesn't seem to matter? What's common about the bad folks? And what am I missing? Sure. And you can iterate, iterate, iterate and get down to that formula. So maybe that um, is a good way to segue into what, it, what actually is the... HubSpot sales hiring formula, and how do you how do you sort of think about it more um, from the the process of engineering said formula? Maybe give the 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 uh, audience sort of your four specific components. I yeah, know you talk sure. About yeah, this just bunch. yeah, just as a specific example. So, and I think it's highly applicable to this audience because I I would say the there are actually five traits that um, that correlated really strongly to. Uh, for us, and I think that would be applicable to a lot of early stage companies, it was coachability, curiosity, prior success, intelligence, and work ethic. And, and you know, it's funny because coachability wasn't even in my first set of theories. Sure. It was, it was after, you know, five, ten hires where I started to step back and look at our top players. And I was like, wow, their, their coachability is really coming out here. And sure enough, you know, later on, it, it proved out to be relevant. Sure. And then once you have sort of that theory of who you think the ideal, you know, salesperson or what the characteristics are, what do you what do you sort of say next to most founders or what's kind of the next step in that evolution? So once you once you've established the theory, then um, and you've defined what these what these aspects are, you want to have, you know, a good scoring mechanism. Back in the day, I used Excel. You can use a Google Doc. You can get fancier if you want and just be disciplined about scoring folks. And then you have to kind of step out and think about how you're going to evaluate folks against each of those criteria. So are you going to have multiple interviews? What questions are you going to ask? Are you going to do role plays? Is there homework between the interviews? All these strategies can be used to evaluate it and you can make your interview process really efficient. So you would have a, you actually have a scoring system essentially? Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, we just it? passed around an Excel file with, with these criteria. There were actually 10 in there, but these five were the most uh, correlated and it had in there the definitions of what they were and what a score of a one and it was weighted, right? So these five would have a weight of eight, nine, or 10 right, right. where the other ones would be lower. And then it would kind of spit out a score and, you know, we had a, you, you, you know, you didn't just hire off the score, but right. it was a directional thing, you know, 60s and 70s, they weren't that good, 80s or 90s, you're talking about a good person. There was obviously plenty of note uh, areas for specific observations and strengths and weaknesses. And then... You just kind of try to get a sense for what you were signing up for with the with every candidate. It was rare to find a candidate that you just flat out loved, really? right? You were just you're like, okay, well, I, this guy's so strong here, here, and here, but they just really didn't bring it on their knowledge of our space. And I'm right. so surprised that they didn't do more homework and 
Is this a learning curve issue? Was there motivation issues? Or did he, did he, was he just busy that week? But you know what? There's so much strength elsewhere that I think we can get him over that. Let's take the chance, Got right? It. So so that that was kind of the conversation that you were having. So, you don't, so the scoring is directionally yeah. accurate, but yeah. obviously not the be-all, end-all with these. Exactly. And then just... Quickly, who was who was actually interviewing besides you? Was it because you you obviously yeah. didn't have any other sales in the beginning? It was really just me. Um, I did bring Halligan, our CEO, and he had background in sales, uh, so he was he was there as a checkpoint for you know for in the early days. Um, and then uh, you know even like some of the first salespeople I brought on, they were pretty senior people that were brought on with the think like, hey, let's just get this thing going, and then you'll be a manager. Right. So they were there as a data point too, and plus that was an opportunity for me to train them on the process because they'd be doing their own hiring soon. Sure. So you have this formula. You're embarking on the process as a new sort of SaaS, you know, CEO about to hire your your initial salespeople. What happens next? I mean, wh- what did you guys do um, as you continued to sort of hire? Is there is there kind of a way you stick to that? I mean, you talked a little bit about sort of some regressions that you yeah. ran and what you ultimately find. Maybe give give the listeners some idea of of okay, now you now you actually have to go out and um, you know use that formula to, yeah. to to act. Yeah, I mean, you just you establish that first theory. You go out, you hire a bunch of people. And then you qualitatively assess them against it and you're iterating that process every single time. And hopefully for some of these early stage folks, you start putting, you know, putting your foot on the gas and you're, you know, all of a sudden you've got 10, 20, 30 reps. You actually have enough data to do a regression analysis. And that's what we did. Right. So I had all that data collected. I had 30 hires on the floor. Um, and I grabbed one of my buddies, the PhD statistician at MIT, and he was salivating over the day and he was psyched about it. And, uh, and we ran out of regression and we would do it every six months or every 12 months because, you know, the market was changing, the business was changing, we were changing our strategy sure. and that sometimes altered the, the hiring profile. And then as we, we so, inter- introduced a partner program and an enterprise group and a small business group, we'd alter it according to the context of those groups. So that, that was really comforting for us. You know, when, you know, when you're hiring your first three to five hires, those are big hires, but also when you're going into a year and you're doing tens of millions of dollars and you're looking to increase by 100% and you're hiring 30 reps next year, you got to get that right. And having this type of sophistication behind you is very comforting. And do you recommend, you know, once you have the data digging in and then really sort of, is it, is it a directional move or do you just inherently, I'm sure at this point you trust the data, but early on, was it, you know, you're you're drawing insights on how you should be changing your sales hiring formula, but you're also um, probably learning things that you did right. I mean, do you sort of coach entrepreneurs now on, you know, listen to that data and actually act on it versus like, are, are there any exceptions, I guess? I yeah, yeah, there definitely are. I mean, because you're only, if you're only looking at five or 10 criteria, I mean, you can't cover everything. Right, right. So like uh, people often ask me about cultural fit. Well, like culture isn't in here. We didn't mention cultural fit, but intelligence, work ethic, right? right I mean, right, like right. curious, like these are things that are that are directional toward cultural fit. Sure. But there are people who probably knocked out of the park here, but they were just completely cocky that we just didn't have a good feel for. So you're absolutely right. There, there are exceptions to the rule. Um, these are directional things, but far, far better than the typical. Yeah, they seem pretty convincing. Let's right. bring them on. You know this. This is a framework that allows you to have some science around it and to get everyone to learn. And even also when 
suddenly you have 30, 40 reps. Now you've got, you know, five or six managers. Right. And this and is then, just a yeah. great way to scale that hiring discipline throughout the organization as opposed to just, yeah, go and see if you like this guy. Sure. You know? All right. So you have the formula. You're going to stick to it. How do you actually find the initial people that you were targeting from the, the sales hiring side? Yeah, is that, I mean, if hiring is the most important thing to do in this whole process scaling sales, the aspect of hiring is sourcing candidates. That is the hardest yeah. part of it. Um, you know, the, the selection process is important, but this is just really hard. And the problem here is every great salesperson has multiple job offers at any second, right. right? Like if you worked somewhere else before, your boss is checking in with you every quarter. Like, hey, are you still happy there? Did they, right. did they screw right. over on the comp plan? Or by the way, I just jumped ship to this awesome new company. Let me tell you about it. I'd love to bring you over here. Right. So great salespeople never have to put together a resume, never have to go and interview. So, um, and sort of like an active uh, recruiting process isn't going to work. Like right. The first thing I did was I posted ads on Monster and Craigslist and I, I sifted through 200 resumes and, and phone screened 50 people and hired zero candidates. Right. So I kind of learned the hard way about right. this. And one person, I don't remember who it was, gave me an awesome piece of advice was think about building a recruiting agency within your company. Right. Right. So if you, if you kind of like let's generalize recruiting resources for a second – Recruiters at a corporate environment tend to work a nine to five, be on a base salary, um, kind of, they don't, they're not going to pound the phone and cold call candidates, sure, sure. right? Versus recruiters at an agency, those guys are hungry. Lots of times they're on a hundred percent commission. They make really good money. They work long hours and they pound the phone and right. go out and network and find passive candidates. So this person's advice was build a recruiting agency in your company. Yep. Right, find former agency people, put them on a comp plan, make sure that they're cold sourcing, um, and uh, and so that was really good advice. Um, and so the things that I would do in there are things like, and I had to do this myself in the early goings. Um, so I found like place like LinkedIn to be extraordinarily useful. Sure. Um, little real tactical tip here is I would I would just do searches in LinkedIn and look for people in Boston because that's where we're building the team. I would look. I would filter on on titles with account executive or inside salesperson, and um, and then I just look for quality schools that you know that to as a proxy to intelligence, and then I would just send cold emails to people. I wouldn't do it through the in mail. I would just send an email. I thought I had a better chance. I'd guess at the formula, and the little real tactical tip here: the subject I would always put their com- current company and their undergrad school, and I would just. Everyone would open that. You know what I mean? Why like if I just... Well, where'd you go undergrad, Mike? Columbia. Okay, so if I sent you an email that said Columbia slash Bowery Capital, you'd open that. <laughs> right. You'd have to. Right. You'd be like, what is this? Right. And there was just a note that just said, hey, Mike, you know, I'm we're, we're a Mark. I run the sales team at HubSpot. We have way more leads than we can deal with here, and we're scaling the sales people. The sales team, the people here who are successful have a background just like you. Let me know if any of your friends are in the market. Got it. Got so very it. passive. They don't feel like they're cheating on you, on their company to take the call. Right. I'm not asking to hire them. But like a lot of people called me back. Or if I called the next day, they pick up the phone. So, you know, real tactical, but it but it tended to work. A um, couple other things in there was um, this thing called the forced referral. So as we started to scale... Um, you know, you can put out, hey, we'll pay you 2500 bucks if you recommend a friend. 
And very few people recommend someone. Right. So what we would do is say, okay, you know, Mike, um, welcome to HubSpot. You've been here three months now. I'm going to go through, we're going to meet tomorrow and talk about the people you, you know who might be a good fit for our team. But tonight, I'm going to go through your 575 connections on LinkedIn and look for people in Boston, in sales, and write down a list of 27 folks. And we're going to go through that list together. Yeah. And that is just, it's more work for the recruiter, but the yield from that is phenomenal. And me as a hiring manager, because you're like, oh, why didn't I think of Betsy? You know, she's right, phenomenal. Right. And you get the inside scoop. Maybe they can even introduce you. Um, so that one worked really well as well. well and when were your reps receptive to reaching out oh, to those yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And lots of times we jo- dodge some wasted bullets, uh, some some bad bad situations. But say, yeah, oh, that's not they look at on paper about terrible cultural fit, okay. you know, like, so they had the inside scoop and... And that was that was a great source for us. And then you would still give them a bonus if that person was hired. No, 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 no definitely no. not. No, they had to submit. They had to submit. That was doing the work for them. Interesting. I don't remember the details there, but I don't think they expected it. It was just a meeting. So yeah. if they brought the person in, we give them the bonus. But otherwise, if we did the work, they didn't. And then maybe just to close on this part, you know, what, what what's so important about you guys are in Boston? It's a very particular area. You talk a little bit about sort of understanding the talent pool. Yeah. Is that is that particularly important? Um, and, and sort of why? Hugely. I mean, you're you're normally hiring, especially these days, it's more inside, so there's more geographic proximities. Uh, you get a real feel for the different inside sales environments at all, in all these different companies. Like Google had a huge team there, but it was such a different environment from us. Like they just, they didn't translate well for us, right? right? So I didn't even waste my time over there versus I got word of like certain companies, um, Training programs were a great fit for us that I could call into. You got word that like all of a sudden you see like two or three candidates from a company and you start interviewing and asking them and then you find out that they changed their comp plan and everyone's jumping ship. Got it. So now we can go after the top dogs in there. So it's um, a lot of, it's just triangulation and yeah. figuring out. Yeah. And you know, like Yahoo has 150 reps. This is what they make. This is how they're trained. This is what an AE is there versus an inside sales rep. Like you just learn all these intricacies and you start to see, you can't poach a lot from one right, from right. one area, but you start to get a feel for what's going on at all these companies. That's really, really important. Got it. All right. So you have the formula, you know what to do with it. You've now found some of these potential candidates. What are some of the things you want to ask or how do you think about that actual interview now yeah. that you've got somebody in the room? Yeah. So here's my interview. Um, I walk up to a rep in the, uh, our candidate in the hallway and just introduce myself. The interview starts then, obviously, right? You always hear this in sales. Like if they're uncomfortable and just like, I'm asking them questions and it's like pulling teeth, it's not going very well versus if they're asking me questions and they've clearly done research about me and it's, it's a genuine sincerity of questions coming from them and they're asking good following questions. That's a really good start. And they're scoring well on the curiosity framework, right? right? Then I just start off with some easy ones. Why are you interested? Where do you want to be in your career in five or 10 years? Forget about HubSpot. And that gives me a sense of just, you know, where are they a leadership candidate down the road? Are they just a career salesperson? Do they want to be a more entrepreneurial? And just helps me assess their fit a little bit and warm them up. Then I dive into prior success. So I'll say, okay, great, Mike, you're over at Oracle. You're an account executive. How many, how many account executives are there? Right. There's 175. Great. Where'd you rank? I was five. Wow. That's impressive. Based on what? on bookings. Okay, and is that last quarter or last year? Last year. And your recommendations will your will validate that? Of course. Right, so that gives me a good yeah. sense of prior success. Prior success doesn't have to be in, in sales either. I have a, 
I had an Olympic gold medalist from the 96 women's hockey team on oh, the wow. team. A uh, guy that was a professional comic before that made it all the way to Comedy Central with his own special. Yeah. Um, you know, these are all just people who... Want to be successful. Just, they, yeah, whatever they put their head to, they excel that. Yep. And that's, that's what I'm looking for. Then I get into my favorite part, which is a role-playing coaching exercise. So I say, okay, Mike, uh, I'm going to play Mark, the VP of marketing at a security software company. You be Mike, the HubSpot sales rep. I requested a demo last night on the website to lead on your desk. Go. And they'll role-play. And if they start off and just like talk for five minutes and throw up and show up as show up and throw up as we call it with Rob the out, you know, just like wow, that was boring and not not a good start to the. Versus if they're asking questions about why I requested the demo and what's going on in the business and it's good following questions, that's fantastic. Right. And then during that role play, good. And even if they don't, they're obviously not going to know your product like you. So you're just trying to suss exactly. out broad. Right. Okay. Exactly. And, and and honestly, like by the time they've gotten me at this point, like. In some ways, the interview is the part of tr- is the start of training. Sure. So why not just do it? Expose them some of that information. So you'd hope that they've absorbed some of that, and that's part of the intelligence factor in the learning curve is where right. they've learned it. And I ask some questions around, hey, how does SEO work, right? And just see how much they've learned about right, some of these right. elements and drill, drill, drill. Then I stop the interview and say, okay, Mike, how'd you do? Let them self-assess. And if they're like, I was awesome. It's not, a, it's not a good yeah. sign, right? It's like, versus if they're very like, hey, this is what I did well. I thought this could have been better. So how would you improve that? Exactly. You know, that's good. And then I coach them for a while and, if, and, and for five minutes, tell them one thing they did well, one thing they could have improved on. And if they're taking notes, that's great. If they're glassy-eyed, that's not a good thing. And then I have them redo the role play, right? So that's really quickly a big part of my interview. And you can see we hit coachability, curiosity, prior success, intelligence, work ethic we mostly hit in the uh, in the recommendations that's amazing so then all right so you have the formula you found where to to you know sort of recruit these sort of first or or early sales people you know what to ask in the interview what in your experience and you 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 go into pretty serious detail around Mm -hmm. this and you've obviously written on inbound and other places about it but sort of what in your experience is sort of the best kind of first hire hmm. into a company you've obviously yeah. coached a ton of startups been there yourself how do you maybe kind of give the listeners the four yeah types of people you think about hiring and why some are better than others yeah so i teach a bunch of classes at uh you know harvard and, and mit babson bu all these different places and um i do this case so here's four hires you can you can take the first person we'll call the svp of sales and they are the head of sales, 500-person sales team at the big behemoth Fortune 1000 company that you're looking to disrupt. Right. Okay? Hire number two is their number one salesperson. Right. So 500 reps, it's their top salesperson. 26 years old, super hungry, making a ton of dough, really aggressive. Number three is a, is a kind of, we'll call them the entrepreneur. So they, they just started a company and it failed. So they're in the market. Before that, they were at Oracle, and so they've had some in sales. So they've had some sales experience and training, but they were an entrepreneur, CEO, they're coming off a failed startup. And number four is the sales manager. They're not in your industry. They're in a you know mid-market company, not in your industry. Great rep that just got promoted to sales manager. Okay, so those are the kind of like four general options. Now, most young companies I see strive to hire a candidate number one. They, they're like, oh, let's go get this big guy and bring him in like the company. And the problem there is that person probably hasn't sold in decades, like literally like closed business and made calls. And their first question when they, when they get to the office, where's my assistant? Right. So they they just don't know how to roll up their sleeves. 
The only exception to that is if you sell into like a very small market. Like right. if you're if you're basically just going after the top five cable companies in the world. Right. Well, getting someone with that kind of Rolodex would be huge. But that's that's kind of an exception. The number one sales rep, the problem there is that guy showed up at the big company and he did great, but the blueprint was already established. Yeah. He showed up and like, okay, do we we use WebEx? Here's the pitch deck. Here's the sales methodology. I just have to follow yeah, this. You got none of that. Right? Yeah, we're like an animal. He's he's going to show up with the same questions, and he doesn't know how to build that process. And neither do you, if you're especially if you're a product founder. Right. Right. So that's the problem with number two. Um, I love number four, the sales manager. She's a great hire there. Um, I think people get caught up with domain experience because it's like easy to interview for. Right. But in my experience, some of our top people at HubSpot came from insurance and yellow pages and yeah. right. And I've had a lot of hires that were from our domain, but they were average and they were average at our company too. Right. right? So keep the average people at your competitors right. and, and shoot for top dogs. So this sales manager, even though she's not from the domain, I like her a lot and the fact that she was a great rep is huge and she just got promoted sales manager. So she has some experience in building the blueprint, has some experience in hiring, but also has recently been a seller. Sure. And I can challenge her to grow into management and grow into a VP. I think she's a great fit. The entrepreneur is my favorite here. And the reason is she does have a sales background, but the one thing that she brings that no one else does is that innovation and vision right it's like the most valuable insight that you're getting in your first few sales calls is not the first customers and revenue but the sort of the market research from the front line you know sure. and the entrepreneur has the probably the best opportunity to be able to go out and just explore with these potential customers what's going on and come back to you as opposed to all the other candidates will just come back and say it's not working right. the product's not working the message is not working the entrepreneur will say listen our pitch is a little off and our product has some gaps, but this is where the opportunity is. I've had 10 calls this week and this is how everybody's thinking about the problem. So it's this sort of curiosity component of exactly. sales hiring. Right. Um, this is excellent. So we wanted to close with two quick questions that generally come from most early stage SaaS founders. I guess with this lens of sales hiring, finding the actual salespeople, interviewing them, and then sort of the best, uh, you know, the best person to bring in the, you know, the sort of the entrepreneur. How do you as a young CEO really think about what is the, the trigger point when you want to bring on a first hire? Yeah. So if you make the right call with this entrepreneur, it's probably pretty early. You know, just something that you can start having conversations around. Um, I'd probably do it like, in the midst of the early product development cycles and just have that person just go out there and just talking to a lot of connections, just explain we're building something and uh, we'd like to get your feedback. And you'd be surprised how many companies are willing to take you up on that because they don't want to miss out on the next big thing. They sure. see this as an opportunity to get a competitive edge. And by having the entrepreneur out there having those discussions, the product team's going to build a better product. Because you, they're that close to the market. So you would advocate that first hire extremely early on yeah. in a company's life? Yeah, if they can afford it. Depending on the right. seed round you do. Listen, if you're bootstrapping it, you probably can't afford it. You have to do some of that as a CEO. Right. But I would do it relatively early just to get those discussions going. Now, scale is a different question uh, right. in response. But I would I would have that conversation, uh, have that hire pretty early. And then maybe, so maybe to move to the scale, yeah. right? So the other large question that comes up is, I'm a SaaS founder. I've hired my first 
you know, entrepreneur salesperson, they're doing well, they're closing, you know, we're closing in on the kind of, you know, 100K and MRR number that everyone sort of thinks about. When is the right time to really amp up and, and pour gas on the fire and use, you know, this sales hiring formula rigorously to move forward? You, you oftentimes hear qualitatively that it's at the Series A stage and once you have millions of dollars in the bank, that's the, the sort of right time when you've proven product market fit but in your experience is that is that right is there any other kind of way to think about it as a young SaaS founder yeah there, it is around the product market fit stage and it should be done more slowly than most companies do i think folks move to the first the, the scale stage too soon and they scale too fast when they hit there I, I see it most of the time so uh the way i think about product market fit is really around the customer success Right, so I'm looking for an extreme amount of customer success first. So I don't want to pour the gas on it. And, and people think, oh, well, people are buying, we're getting money. No, well, are 80% of those folks succeeding? Are you upgrading them? Right. Why are the people canceling? Like, that's what I want to obsess on first. And once I'm comfortable with that and know that that market's of decent size, now I want to start scaling up. And when I, the first thing I do when I start scaling up is I need to check the, the economics next. So it's like, okay, we built a product. There's a segment of the market here that we've run dozens of customers against and they're successful. Let's start hiring salespeople. Great. Let's bring on two or three. And now let's check the economics. Those guys are going to make, you know, they'll call 200 new leads a month. They'll set up 50 qualified appointments. They'll run 20 demos. They'll close five customers. I need to see how that adds up to. Is that add up to 1,000 MRR, 3,000 MRR, 5,000 MRR? Because if it adds up to 1,000 MRR, I'm not ready. And that's yeah. what companies often find themselves that they they pour it on and like, shoot, we got a triple revenue. We need right. 20 reps. Right. And 20 reps are doing 1,000 MRR, making 100,000 a year, and it's a it's mess. Right? right? So the next thing I'm looking for is that, that sort of funnel formula, making sure that if these guys are spitting out 4,000 MRR and I'm paying 100,000 and this is my churn, if we scale that up to 20 reps, what kind of business is that? Right, right. And if that looks good, great. Let's hire the next wave. And the next wave yeah. is, you know, it's like now it's like, well, do I have enough lead flow? That's right. another huge That's mistake they make is, hey, you know, uh, three reps are doing awesome. But when you look under the covers, 70% of their deals are coming from referrals from the CEO. Right. Right. So it's like, hey, where's the demand gen strategy? So there's yeah. there's so many potholes you have to be aware of. And I see so many folks find some little win and then hire 20 reps and it's a complete mess in the death of the company. So you got to be careful. Yep. Makes sense. Mark's book is on the shelf now. Go to Amazon, get it. The sales acceleration formula using data technology and inbound selling from zero to 100. Thanks for coming in, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.